You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Last week we were talking about the spiritual gifts and we talked about how God wants to speak to his people. Remember that? That we have an audible God. In a, in a world full of mute idols, we have an audible God. That's where we're coming out of. So that, talking about the gifts through an audible God. Verse 12. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. For the, one, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be a sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We're going to stop there for a second. So on the back of your bulletins, and even Keely, thank you for doing that, including our mission statement in the announcements. Uh, that's new, it wasn't planned, but I'm glad you did that because I want to talk about that real quickly. Our mission statement, why does City Lights exist? On the back of your bulletin, it says this every week. So you have never looked at the back of your bulletin. Uh, some of you have never looked at your bulletin. Well, on the back of it, it says this. We exist so the people of Northeast PA find their ultimate joy in Christ through the teaching of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what we believe. I can say that from memory because it's what I believe, right? It's easier to say something that you believe than say something that you just heard once, right? How many of you guys can still remember Shakespeare and quote it? Probably not a whole lot of us because you don't believe it. Well, if, if you believe something, you are able to say it. That's our mission. But what does that mean? So a few weeks ago, and this is where I could get really weepy, I'm just warning you, because it's personal to me. I was with my friend Chris um, in California, so you guys know the story there, I was with him, and uh, he was talking to me, he said, Jesse, he's like, what is your dream? Like, what is your goal? If you could have your dream fulfilled right now, what would that look like? And so I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I've not really articulated this probably, so let me think. And so I just began to th- start talking. And I said, well, this is what City Lights would look like. We would have this person leading this area of ministry. We would have this person leading prophetic stuff. We would have this person, uh, Will Bowler, in in Cambodia or some other country, and we would empower him fully to do that. We would have Ashley not working her job anymore, but she would be working, running the bakery that's in her heart, doing the missions for the, we have a vision for a women's shelter program, help get them out of sex trafficking and get them a job in the bakery. So she would be empowered to do that. She'd be empowered to help organize different events in the church. So that we would have, I, would, I talked about things I, would, I saw for Ben. I talked about Mike and Sarah, things I saw for Mike and Sarah and how they would be a part of this. I talked about some people that you guys don't know. I talked about Jared and Aaron and different areas that we would reach the city through different giftings that each person saw. Does that make sense? And I just began to talk about other people and what they would be doing. And that would be my dream. And I said, City Lights, I said, would be, I gave a number, which some of you guys might scare you because uh, you're afraid of growth. 
I'm all for growth if it's healthy growth. So I gave a number, City Lights would be this. It wasn't, don't worry, it's not a mega church. I still like the small church thing, but it's bigger than this. So let's just say that. Um, you can ask me later for more details of all those things. But I just really began to share a vision of all the areas that the people that are in my life, they're called to these ministries, and if I could live my dream, it would be to empower them to do their dream. Does that make sense? And City Lights wouldn't just be these four walls. We would be reaching the city in every demographic, from kids to the oppressed women to men called the ministry to third world countries to teenagers in the high school to the Hispanic community to other churches networking. I began to share this vision of all these different areas of ministry. And I'm not going to do that now for the sake of time, right? I have a lot of dreams in here. And I'm firmly convinced that is a possible, probable reality of City Lights Church. I don't dream it just because it's some crazy, ridiculous dream that will never happen. I dream it because it's the dream that God put in my heart. It's a reality for what should be one day. I sat with a guy who goes to our church this week, and, and he was just talking about some things. And he's like, um, we were talking about a friend of mine who's in ministry somewhere else. And he called me to Jesse. He's like, what do you do? How do you handle, like, being in ministry, like, knowing if you're in the right place or not? And I said, I don't really know how to answer you that because I completely know that I'm here in Scranton for a long, long time, probably for life. And I don't plan on going anywhere else. And he said, well, how do you know that? I said, because God's given me a dream that goes beyond what I see today. And I think that dream's going to take a few years to fulfill, at least a few years. Maybe not, but probably I said, I have a long-term vision for where I am, and I see God opening doors, not shutting them. So why would I desire to go anywhere else? Does that make sense? So this guy from our church, is like, he was asking me about this. And I shared with him some of these dreams, and he's like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that dream. And I said, you are a part of that dream. Let me show you how you are a part of that dream. Does that make sense a little bit? I hope you're tracking me. I know it's abstract, and I'm not giving you a lot of details. I'll, I will do that if you come ask me. But for the sake of not scaring everybody, I just... I just chose to kind of shoot this big dream. But the only way that that dream is ever going to become a reality, if this place, City Lights Church, isn't Jesse Miller's church, but it becomes our church. It becomes our place. If you believe that this dream is not just Jesse's dream, but your dream as well. Does that make sense? If you really believe that the high schools can be transformed with the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you really believe that the epidemic that most of us don't even recognize is happening with sex trafficking in this area is stopped and quenched, and these women are empowered, and they're, they're given jobs and given homes, and then they're empowered to reach the city on their own, if you really believe that that can become not just a possible reality, but a probable reality, if you buy into that, then it will happen. Make sense? I'm just giving you bits and pieces here. If you believe that your family can be affected with the gospel, if you believe that you have a part in that, then it's going to change the way you view church, right? It won't just become Jesse Miller's vision or the eldership team's vision. It becomes our vision. I have a vision for it, and it would take me a, all day to fill you in all the details of what I see for this place. And I want you to begin, as we look at this text, to realize there's something more than what you see on a Sunday morning from me and from the stage, right? This has to become our church. This verse says there's one body, so it is with the church. 
That's not what it says, is it? Look at the verse. There's one body, and so it is with Christ. He's talking about the church, but he, he's giving this analogy, like, okay, there's one body, and we're talking about the church, but he doesn't say the church. He says, with Christos, which is Greek for the Messiah figure. Literally what he is saying here, he's not saying that the church is just one body who functions well. He is equivalenting the church with the body of Christ. That we, us, are the manifest, united members of Christ. What does that mean? Christ is not just the biblical figure that we've heard about in church our whole life. Christ to them was the messianic Davidic rule of the kingdom of God on the earth. He was a real king coming to rule and to reign on the earth. What this verse is saying, we are all members of this one ruling body of God on the earth. You and I are part of God's heavenly rule and reign on the earth together. Not just some church that meets like, you know, like the Masons meet in their place and, and the Boy Scouts meet over here and the church meets here. We are the messianic movement of God on the earth together. It's way bigger here. He says, so as they are one body, just as Christ, we are Christ. Not that I am Christ, but we are his body. We are the messianic rule of God on the earth. So let me ask you a question. Why does it not feel or look like that? Why does it look like we are bringing the rule of heaven on the earth? We'll just call him Chris. It's not his name. But, so Chris is talking to me, and he's like, so, uh, so you're a pastor, huh? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I didn't, I didn't really expect that out of you. I'm like, okay. I got, we don't have one shape and size. Like, they're different. We look different, you know. Um, you got to start young, I guess. Anyway. So he's like, oh, that's really awesome. He's like, so I went into this one church with my girlfriend, right? Uh, He names a church in the area. And um, he's like, man, are you one of those churches? Because it was weird. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I walked in, and this guy came up to me and gave me a hug. Freaked me out. I'm like, (laughs) he's like, man, I walked in, and it was really weird because it kind of felt more like a club or like like a family or something. That was weird. I, go, I, I just chose to start going. That, that was his parents' church. That's what it was. He's like, I can't go to my parents' church. I go to my girlfriend's church. She goes to the Greek Orthodox. He's like, I sneak in the back. We stay there for an hour, and then we leave. Nobody says anything. It's great. I'm thinking, that's great. That's great. I'm like, it sounds like you got the two confused in your mind a little bit. He just wanted a place that he could kind of come in without any recognition and just do his quick duty. That's his mindset of church, right? I would say the church doesn't look like the messianic body on the earth because so many of us, including Christians, think that's what church is supposed to be. We come in, we get our weekly vitamins of Jesus, and we leave, and we do nothing, and we leave church to pastors and and leadership. Too many Christians have this attitude. We have zero buy-in for a vision bigger than ourselves. We have zero buy-in for advancing the kingdom of God on the earth. You don't own any of the company. Now, imagine this, if you owned stock, right? So say you had stock in in like the largest company on earth, 
whatever the best one is right now, I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't pay attention to stock. Say you owned a ton of stock, but you never even knew that you had stock. You wouldn't even care if that company just completely tanked, would you? If you had no idea about a company that you had all the stock in, if you didn't know that, you would care less if it just dropped off the face of the earth and lost all its money. But if somehow you were awakened to the fact that you don't only have a little share, you have huge buy-in, you're a majority shareholder, you're probably quitting your job tomorrow, right? And you are investing every waking hour into advancing this thing. Why? Because it's good for you, it's good for your family, and it's good for the people you care about, right? You see that how the mentality changes when you realize the church isn't just something that's done for performance or by a few people who lead. It is something you are called to be a member of and take ownership of because if one part of the church dies, so do you. You have share in this. The reason I'm, I was sharing some of the vision is because I, real, I, I realized this week I didn't even know how to articulate that to myself. How can I expect City Lights Church to see what's beyond, to see where we're going, to see what we're walking toward, what we're going to be pursuing? If I can't communicate that to you, you can't buy into this thing. You can't invest your life. The reason that Ben and Crystal moved here, the reason I moved here, the reason that some other families moved here six years ago, October 10th will be six years. The reason we moved here is because there was a vision shared to change the city of Scranton for the kingdom of God, and we bought in. We left our families. We sold our our houses. We quit our jobs and moved here because we were 100% committed. And I'm not telling you quit your jobs. I'm saying you have to realize you have an important part of this house that only you can do. And I'm asking you to buy into a bigger vision. I'm asking you to buy in for more than just sitting in the back pew and doing your quick thing and leaving on a Sunday morning. I'm asking for a lot this morning. (laughs) You and I are the body of Christ. We are his ambassadors. We are the messianic rule and reign, the expression on the earth. So why do we so often feel like we're just some random part rather than an important member? Let's look at verse 14. For the body does not consist of many members, or does not consist of one member, but many members. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were single members, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I would say this. He gives a strange example, right? of this, this hand or this foot saying I'm not the hand and the hand saying I'm not the foot and the ear saying I'm not the eye and like there's this fighting. I'm not a part of the body because I'm not that. I would say there's two primary reasons that you and I don't feel like we're a valuable part of a church. One is because of jealousy. Jealousy says, well, I'm just the toe and all I do is help with balance. Who cares about me? I wish I was the heart. I remember being in that position, being in churches and thinking, well, God's got a call for them, but not for me. 
I can't tell you how humbled I am when I wake up and I realize God somehow put me in the position of being the pastor of a church. Never my dream ever, ever. It was beyond what I dreamt of. I just saw my youth pastor of a youth group that I grew up in and said, if only I could be the youth pastor because teens are fun, teens are easy to deal with. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) If only I could do that because adults scare me and I don't want to lead the whole thing. I don't want to lead the whole ship. Does that make sense? Now I'm like, oh, Jesus, send a youth pastor because that is not me at all. I I don't know what he did. I don't know what he did. But anyway, like I never dreamt of it. I thought it was something beyond me. About two years ago, I was at a, a conference with, with Pastor Jared and uh, some friends. And I'm up front at the end during worship, and we're just getting a time of prayer. I'm just getting prayed for. And Jared's dad, when I was in fourth grade, Jared's dad became my pastor. And I remember as a fourth grader being in awe of this man, the anointing he carried, the presence he carried. And thinking, man, that guy is so beyond me. And then I went to college and I thought, oh, by the time I get out of college, I'll somehow learn enough to kind of be like Pastor Ruddy. To kind of even be close to Pastor Ruddy. Like that was my biblical idol, if you will. He was the spiritual father that I just wanted to, if I could just get close to that, then man, God will do something with me. And I remember going to this conference and it's just prayer time, and like prayer ends, and I'm just kind of up there, you know, in prayer by myself after I'm already prayed for by the pastor of this place. Pastor Ruddy comes up to me. He hugs me, and he speaks over me. He said, God's giving you a double portion of what I carry. I'm putting that on you. God is putting that on you. I lost it. He lost it. We're weeping. It was great. There, are, I'm telling you this to say, I don't feel like something crazy changed. I don't feel like I have a, a you know what I'm saying? But there's just something in me. If I, if I live my life saying I'll never get to what that guy carries, I'll never get the manifest presence of God that that guy carries, then I live in this kind of weird idolatry, jealousy thing that I'm always less than so I never do anything. But I could not let that become the position of my heart. And I'm asking, some of you in here are looking at, you, you don't have a pastor already, but you might have something like that. In the church, like, well, they're called, I'm just this. This is my gifting. Wah. Right? And I'm saying to you, never take that position. God gave you your gifting. It's a gift. Rejoice in it. There is no hierarchy in the kingdom. There are different positions of leadership, absolutely, but there's no hierarchy in the kingdom. There's no lesser than or greater than. There are different, there are absolutely different callings, different ministries, but you are a part of it. It makes no sense for a toe to be angry that he's not the heart because all he does is help out with balance, right? Go ahead, cut off your toe this morning. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody. What about pride? I'd say pride's the other one then. So say you're given a position of leadership. And then you look at the other people who are under, right? Well, he's just the toe. So what if he leaves us? We don't need him anymore. Yeah, you might survive, but then you have to live adjusting to your dysfunction rather than thrive in the God-ordained wholeness of the body. 
I'd say the reason that the church doesn't experience this messianic ruling and reigning on the earth the way we should is because we've been fighting over positions, we've been arguing over styles, we've been distancing ourselves and letting the church do church and we'll do us. Make sense? Some of you guys are mad at me like this is a hard word this morning. I want to encourage you. This is a good word this morning. You might just survive. You, you might make it without a part of the body, sure. But you're only surviving. You're not thriving then. We will not thrive unless we all do what God's asked us to do. Verse 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. In our unpresentable parts, we are treated with greatest modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members have, may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let me ask you this. Have you ever stubbed your toe, and then all of a sudden you're like, I have a toe. Like, you didn't, even knew, you didn't even know you had a toe that day until you stubbed it hard. Like, then you forgot about the headache you had five minutes ago. You were looking at this toe thinking, what can I do to save this toe? Like, just me. Nobody else has been there before. You forgot about your headache. You or you ever have a toothache, and you look in the mirror, and you're like, I didn't even know I had that tooth. How's that hiding back there? Like, when your wisdom teeth come in, you're like, what are these things? Why, God? You made a, there's a mistake in the plan somehow. Why do I have this extra tooth back here? When, you, when something small begins to cause pain, your whole body becomes aware of it, doesn't it? It should be the same way in the church. Do you ever, um, one, more, one more thought, do you ever like hurt something and then like when you, you go to look at it to see if it's right, you begin to like get confused in your head if your body always looked that way? Like for example, I hurt my knee and I'm looking at my knee, I'm like, was that always there? Was that, did it always bump out like that? Anybody else ever go through that before? Like it's just some part of your arm, did that muscle always exist or is this a new thing? How many bumps have I had there? Like when you hurt, all of a sudden there's deeper examination of that area. But for some reason, when the body of God, when the body of Christ hurts in an area, all of us is like, oh, okay, we'll pray for you. We'll, we'll keep you on the prayer chain. And then we go back to our function, right? Paul says, look, church, you're in a mess right now because you don't love each other. You're constantly arguing over who's wiser and who's smarter and who's better and what positions you have and who's more spiritual than the other and what kind of sins you're allowed to get away with and what sins you're not allowed to get away with. If you just stop for a second and love each other when somebody's hurting, then you will become the body of Christ. So all will feel the pain together. When one member suffers, all suffer together. When one member is honored, all rejoice together. That word honored there, it actually should, it really should translate into the word glorified. That's really what it means. Glorified. Glorified is way bigger than just recognition or applause. There is a, a holy awe that happens when something's glorified, right? 
It's bigger than just, oh, good job, good job. This word says when one person, when one member of this body is glorified and lifted up, there should be a universal applause and rejoicing in the whole body, right? Like when you go and you're outside and you're hot and sweaty and you go outside and there's a nice cool wind, is it just your hot red face that feels good? No, your whole body feels good. When, when you get something, when you take that Tylenol or that pain reliever for the toothache, all of a sudden you feel much better as a whole body, right? Why is it in the church that when one person is lifted up or exalted, instead of applause, it turns into a lot of self-righteousness? Like, look at them. They think they're special. Well, you know what they say. What goes up must come down, right? Or the uh, pride comes before the fall. They're being lifted up right now. They're probably going to fall. Or you know what they say, the bigger they are, the, the harder the fall, right? You know what else has a great fall? Lamentations chapter 1. shows that Israel, God's chosen people on the earth, they chose not to walk as their covenantal people. And it says this, verse 9 of chapter 1, she did not consider her destiny, therefore her collapse was awesome. When you don't consider our destiny as God's chosen messianic people, when we don't realize that we are called for greatness, we are called to go together, to knock down principalities, to conquer demons, to see captives set free, when we don't realize that we are all into this together, we celebrate together, we cry together, we mourn together, we live together. When you don't realize that, guess who has a great fall? We all do. That's why the church in America looks sick because we don't realize we're in this together. I mourn when a church in Seattle goes through a break. I mourn when a church in the South does not reflect the heart of Christ. I mourn when a church in the North doesn't get that there is a good loving God who wants to save and redeem all people only through his son not through good works. I mourn when we don't do this together because the church's fall is great then. Church, I want us to realize this morning that we have a destiny and it's only accomplished as one body and not as a bunch of competitive individuals striving to get some different gift or some different promotion or or just do our own thing and ask God to bless our income levels so we can get the nicer house. N.T. Wright says this way, talking about the church recognizing they're a body. Just like a hand comes to bandage the injured foot, where the foot hurries to take the injured head to the hospital. That's what the church is supposed to be. We help each other get through sickness. We help each other get through sin. And we help each other tear down mountains. We help each other reach this city with the gospel. It's because we've reduced Christianity to a service on a Sunday morning, and we leave it up to the pastors or official leaders to do it the rest of the week. I want you to value your part in this. I want you to realize that you, each person in this room, is an ambassador of the kingdom, and I cannot do this without you. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. 
And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more perfect and excellent way. We will talk about that excellent way next week. But I want to look at this last bit here. Our worship team, if you can come forward. So we ask this question. Look, these are the things that God's given to the church. And he's given these giftings to the church because he's vocal and active. We are his body. We are the messianic figure of God on the earth until he returns. That's what we are. And because he loves us and because he wants to speak to the world, he's given us different things. And there's different places for them in the church. And we'll talk a lot more about those different giftings in the next few weeks. We will. We'll get into them. But I love that he asked this question. Are all prophets? Are all pastors? Are all apostles? The answer is no. I, I have met people. This is called five-fold ministry, if you've ever heard of it. Pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists. I'm missing one right now. Anyway, it's, it's right there. I've met people say, oh, I'm the five-fold ministry. No, you're part of the five-fold ministry. We are not meant to do any of this thing by ourselves. We are meant to bring parts in. And my dream for City Lights Church is that we become a church that's led by five-fold leadership. It's not just a pastor-driven, it's my way or the highway type of thing that we've seen in America for generations. That's not my desire at all. I want to do this together. I want to empower every person in this room do I believe that every person can prophesy? Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Do I believe that every person can have these different giftings at different times? Yes. But your normative function, God has given you a specific task, a specific place in the church that you need to operate in today. Right? You need to do your function today. We all have something to bring about. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, there's a lot of them listed in Scripture. Uh, Jared and I, about a year and a half ago made a website called refreshresources.com. You can look it up. You can go through the questions. It'll help you figure out your spiritual gifting. It's all listed there in great detail because we realize so many people have no clue that they have a gift inside of them. They just think it's their personal talent when the truth is from God and it's a spiritual gift for the church. That was a disclaimer right there. Refreshresources.com you can look it up, find out your gifting. You have a gifting. We should all desire that God gives us more, though. It says it there in the end. Eagerly desire the higher gifts. It's not jealousy. That's not fighting or competition. It's saying, God, here's where I'm at now. I'm going to be faithful with this. And I'm going to ask you to give me increase. Because I have a desire for this gifting. I have a desire to be used in this way as well. So please, God, give me more. Does that make sense? It's good to desire more of God's presence. It's good to desire more giftings in your life. It's not jealousy. It's not complaining. It's not belittling what you already have. It's saying, God, I'm having, I have this. I will use it. I will give it to you. And I'm asking for more. It's good to ask more from God. I've heard that so many times. Well, you know, I have some prayer requests and stuff, but I don't want to pray because, you know, there's other people who need it more. Nonsense. God doesn't run out of anything anything good he has a limitless supply and that includes the gifts of the spirit 
you can ask for more. It's good, okay? We should desire more. I want you to realize that this idea of being the body together, even our home groups that we're starting, it starts in three weeks. starting these not because it's a religious thing that we should do and so that you can get nice biblical uh, knowledge from the gospel project. That's just a part of it. The reason we do that is because we want to give you a doorway to dig deep wells of relationship, not on a Sunday morning and not just on a home group Bible study, whatever you want to call it, not just there. We believe the way that we function as the body of Christ is to equip each other, to lift each other up, and then do life together life together but it will cost you time it will cost you energy it will probably cost you money we often as an American church skip on community or, or sacrificial service because it requires sacrifice and vulnerability I want to encourage you, if if I'm preaching this morning and you were like, man, I hate this message, it makes no sense to me, I don't know what he's talking about, to just, like, something other than, let me say this, you don't have to raise your hands, but I'm, I'm just asking you, how many, if you can look at all the closest relationships in your life, and if you look at all of them, you're like, wow, none of them, or barely, barely any of them attends church with me on Sunday morning, my closest friends, the people that I call my best friends. They don't go to church with me on Sunday morning. I would encourage you, maybe it's not because you have bad friends. You probably have great friends. But maybe it's because you haven't been intentional with the ones that are part of God's family. Maybe you haven't dug deep wells in the church. Because guess what? You, the same way my wife would have a larger capacity to love more children, you have a larger capacity for more people in your life. You do. And the only way you're going to see that is intentionality. favorite, I'm closing with this thought. Okay, closing. So you can smile, shake off your tiredness, your anger if you're mad at me, or whatever. I'm a movie guy. I'm a TV guy. My favorite show I've ever watched on TV. Favorite show, Lost, right? Lost. In one of the opening episodes of Lost, they're all fighting on the island. They're angry. Somebody just drowned out in the ocean. Some guy tried to save him, and now they're arguing about him trying to save this person, right? Jack gets up. He's the doctor. He's like the level-headed one. And he gets up and he says, we're either going to live together or we're going to die alone. That is exactly what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. You are either going to live together, be the body together, or you're going to die by yourself. You're going to die alone as a church. And I would say the same thing is true of City Lights. This thing is bigger than me. This thing is bigger than the worship team up here. This thing's bigger than just you. There's a bigger eternal vision that God has for us, and we have to be in this together or we're going to die alone.